yeah, I, actually, I was pretty bummed that, that I got the nice year. I was like, I want the shitty year. That would have been really fun. That would have been cool. You know, and I think that's what we're looking for. We're not looking to go fast or or anything like that. We're looking for the challenge. We want it to be hard and we want to go out there and, and really experience uh, what's out there. And I think, you know, you throw in some of that crazy weather and it's awesome. <laughs> Welcome to the Low Tide Boys, a swim run podcast. I'm Chip. And I'm Chris. And this is episode 46 of the show. This week, we have John Stevens on the show. He's a coach with Purple Patch Fitness, assistant race director with Odyssey Swim Run, an endurance adventurer, and a stud swim runner in his own right. Certainly. Certainly. Uh, we had a really great chat with him and look forward to sharing that with you later in the show. But first. But first, we have, I guess, I don't know. Is it? An it's announcement. An, it's an announcement, I suppose. Yeah. So, nothing bad. So. Nothing negative. So, you know, don't think negative things. We started the show back in January because we were ramping into Catalina, and that was really exciting for us to be able to kind of update everybody on how our training has been going as we ramp and hear how other people are doing. And then, obviously, COVID hit and kind of threw a wrench in everything, and we tried. Our best, and we think we did a pretty good job of bringing everybody insightful swim run content that wasn't isn't really being done anywhere else. Sure, and and that content was kind of focused on sort of people. racing, yeah. right? Like people and racing, and you know, future events. Like Engadin was all because that race was actually happening. Now that the season's basically over. And we're really not sure when events are going to come back because of COVID restrictions. We were thinking that we're going to transition the show a little bit into being more about adventures. Swimmer and adventures. I mean, typically swim runs happen in races, but they're by no means necessary for Mm -hmm. you to go on a swim run adventure. I mean, you see Marcus and all these folks do it all the time. So we're planning our own adventure. So we're going to chronicle that journey. And as Chipper mentioned, we're going to try different formats on the show where we're going to talk a little bit. You know, one episode might be a little bit more Lonely Planet. Like, here's a cool region of the country where swim running could be Happens. pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just, you know, different types of guests to uh, to try to keep everybody engaged in the sport until races come back. Totally. And if you have any feedback or suggestions or thoughts on what we've been doing, do you like more of the interview, deep dive into somebody's, you know, psyche and their journey from athletics to swim run do you like more of the the coaching stuff do you like more of the ama style do you like just chris and i talking what have you been liking and what have you not been those type of feedback that that feedback that we get from you is really helpful on us kind of steering the direction of the show to some we do use that as an input into how we we plan the show out um so yeah i mean we're, we're looking forward to it races as of now are, are kind of slotted to take place in april so this is kind of a temporary pivot or, or trial period, I guess, that, that we're going to be working. And then if races pick back up in the early part of the spring and we know that we have something kind of definite on the calendar, yeah, we, we're going to ramp, obviously be talking about what's happening in, in the swim run world, you know? Yeah, I think, uh, long story short, we're just trying to keep things interesting for everybody listening and, uh, you know, let us know if we're not doing a good job on that. And if we are doing a good job, let us know that as well. Little little ego boost. So now on to this week's training update. Yeah. So no real update this week because it's the off season. Yay! Woo-hoo! Could do like insert some music there, like celebration time or whatever. Uh, we still plan on training and stuff because, you know, holidays are coming and we're trying not to eat our way through that. That's still TBD. Um, in other news, we are going to start planning our, what we're calling our quote, epic swim run adventure in Northern California. And we'll be documenting that journey in a new segment, replacing the training update segment called Adventure Time, where we will keep you all informed. I know that that name is of a show, so we're not trying to jump on anyone's copyright or anything. Um, This adventure uh, could be epic or an epic fail. But either way, strap in for the hilarity. Yeah, for sure. Now, on to this week's shout-outs. This week, we're actually shouting out all of our listeners who use the podcast app cast box to listen to the low tide boys honestly we've never heard of this app but a a tip of the hat to our one and a half percent of listeners who use cast box we see you and thank you yeah the only the only app that's used less is android browser which oh sorry 
Sorry, but hey, Joy. you know, if CastBox is your thing, you know, enjoy it. Yeah, and thank you. Now to the feats of endurance. Yeah, so we're putting a little bit of a pause on this segment until 2021, uh, but we're still keeping tabs on everyone on our Strava Club and look forward to following everyone's training and adventures. On that note, we mentioned above, we're doing our own swimmer and adventure up here in Northern California. And uh, we want you to let us know if you're going to be doing something fun or training for something. I know uh, folks in North Carolina are doing adventures all the time and in Europe as well. So we would love to hear what folks are doing and see if we can inspire a bunch of people to still put on their suit and shoes and go swimming and running nice. out in the world. Out in the world in nature? <laughs> in nature. Where, where, where at least where we are in this hemisphere and continent is getting chillier. Chillier. So I'm look. you know, it would just be, adds to the adventure. It does add to the adventure for sure. Now, this week in Swim Run... Powered by RaceID.com. COVID cases are on the rise across almost the entire world. The U.S. is is particularly bad. Uh, so there's no events this weekend, and it looks like the Odyssey Stormman Austin event that we were lucky enough to race and Odyssey was to throw may end up being the actual last race of the year. Uh, for 2020 uh, definitely definitely is a bummer that that races won't kind of continue throughout the winter but we want to kind of like point people's attention back to the original origins of kind of the feats of endurance of just cool endurance activities swim runs runs whatever it is that that we kind of want to highlight so obviously please exercise caution and, and safety you know make sure you're listening to scientists and people who are professionals wear masks make sure you're doing social distancing and staying safe uh, we'll be sure to get through this and the the faster we all comply the faster it'll be done hopefully fingers crossed knock on wood whatever superstitious things that you tend to do as well just do them all just in case <laughs> just do them all at the same time all right and now for updates so our latest column in triathlete magazine the Swim Run Pool Buoy, a love story. It's out on digital newsstands now. Check it out and let us know uh, if you like it and share the love. Maybe post on your like Instagram story, your pool buoy, and just tag triathlete. Here's like, here's my pool buoy I'm yeah. in love with. Yeah, um, we, we've already been doing that, but maybe if other people do it, maybe that'll help. Yeah, that might, <laughs> that might help. Be like, we're getting a lot of impressions from pool buoy related <laughs> keywords this week so it's all about that pool buoy content yeah and another actually really really exciting announcement we are super stoked times super stoked yeah super stoked times super stoked to announce that we are officially partnering with odyssey swim run in 2021 to help promote their races you know we started this goal to help grow swim run in the united states and we think we're, we're doing that and Odyssey is such a natural partner, and it just made so much sense because we essentially have the same mission to help grow the sport in the U.S. So we're going to be doing a lot of cool stuff with them in 2021 and providing a lot of content, uh, hopefully racing a lot of their races. So be sure to to keep up with all that. We're going to be taking over their their Instagram stories more often, providing more content, all, all fun stuff. So we're, we're very excited about that note. I think that uh, super stoked times two is super duper stoked. Oh, so I will second I'll your thing. Yeah, and I just—I mean—I'm super stoked to be <laughs> super duper stoked to be working with Odyssey next year. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I really hope that they don't regret the decision by letting us take over their IG stories too many times. Um, but yeah, it should be fun, and we just thank them for the opportunity. Yes, on to this week's interview. So as we mentioned above, John Stevens. The swim ex, swimmer extraordinaire is on the show. He's definitely close to being a household name, if already not already, uh, uh, from U.S. swim runners. Uh, he's raced almost every Odyssey event. He's also a dual-sided swim runner, so he he gets a bit of a look-ski on, on the athlete side, but then he also is doing the race directing side and the coaching. He's a, tri, he's a three-sided swim runner, which there isn't many of those, I will say. Um, coaching... Race directing, athlete, all in one. Uh, he was also, he's raced uh, many Otolo events, including the World Championship, 
So this interview, we touched on a bunch of different to- topics. We kicked the interview off really cool with actually kind of like a mini race director report on how the Odyssey team thought that Swim Run Austin went. Uh, we chatted a little bit about his origin story, how he came to find Swim Run, and also his newfound enjoyment of endurance adventures that you'll he'll touch on a little bit more in the show as well. So, of course, Chris and I couldn't help ourselves, but we try to get some of our nagging off-season training questions answered by a coach as we tend to shoehorn those in whenever possible. It's all about getting free coaching. (laughs) It's all about we're going to piecemeal together some coaching plan from seven different coaches. I'm sure it'll be super effective. And yeah, there was a lot of good stuff in this interview. You're definitely going to love it. Yeah, enjoy it. John Stevens. He broke a paddle from swimming because he's such a... With us today, we have John Stevens. Probably doesn't need too much of an introduction. One of the fastest open water swimmers in the entire sport of swim run. Also uh, part of the Odyssey Swim Run crew. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. I uh, really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's been a long time. You know, I think since we first started, you've definitely been floating on our list for a while. But for some reason or another, it never happened. And then right after Austin, we're like, it, it's going to happen before the end of the year. We're going to make it right. happen. So yeah. why not do it immediately yeah, after so. Austin? So speaking of Austin, before we get into your swim run origin story and try to pull out any swimming tips that we can out of you, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, from the other side, you know, being assistant race director, working with Lars, like how did you see the whole weekend uh, pan out? And Austin, I, I think, you know, from our standpoint was, was a huge success. Um, I think for us to be able to pull that off in 2020 is just kind of a, a feat in itself. Um, and, and kudos to all the racers who like took the chance to show up and be there. And you guys were there, which was awesome. And, and, you know, for me, the coolest part of that event was just kind of getting to reconnect with all of our old swim run buddies. Right. And everybody's kind of hanging out in the parking lot, socially distanced with masks, but it's kind of cool to like give a wave to somebody and, and say, hi, uh, from across the way. So I think that in itself being as able, all of us able to get together was, was really cool. Um, you know, and then from kind of a, a race direction standpoint, like it was cool for us at the Odyssey crew as well. I mean, we kind of have like a, a tight knit group um, where we kind of, we get together to do these races and it's just, it's a blast. And we really, really miss doing it uh, over this year. You know, you've got Lars and and Aaron, who's a little bit more behind the scenes, but you know, taking care of a lot of the, the, the nitty gritty stuff that Lars and I really don't care to. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> Lars's parents being there with the food and the announcing and uh, our videographer, Scotty Fenonger, who is Lars's cousin. Um, and it's all, it's always cool to get us all together. So, you know, just kind of showing up in Austin and everyone coming together, it was really cool. And it, it was neat to see how we all kind of fell back into just like we're putting on a race mode, um, you know, and it, it, it's, everyone kind of plays their little role and we get there and Aaron just kind of hunkers down and, and got the, the, the finish line start line set up. You know, we were trying to fin- figure out protocols where it's all going to go. And you know, the, my favorite part is when Lars and I kind of sit there and say, all right, let's go set this course. Um, and you know, we've got the mat and this was kind of a, a thing on the Facebook page that came up before. And we mentioned it at the meeting um, where we've got a map that we put out ahead of time, but you know, that's, you guys have seen the map. Like it's, it's a little cartoony in a sense. So it's not an exact map of what the race is going to be. And, you know, to be honest, I don't know if we've ever really had an odyssey race or even when it was from run USA race where the map comes out and that ends up being the course. Exactly. You know, it's, it's always fun to kind of get out there on the trails and be like, Oh, you know what, actually check this out this way. It looks like it'll be a little bit cooler, a little bit better. Um, and we kind of sort that out as we go. So, you know, for us getting out there and just, getting on the, on the trails and getting out there and start hanging flags and see where the, the course setup goes is, is really kind of a, a cool, fun thing to do in the few days before that. Um, you know, our plan this year, as it always is, is you know, most races, and this one was no exception, was to kind of get out there on Friday, get the course set, and then Saturday, take care of the small things like, you know, get aid stations going, get that stuff out there, get that set up. And then, you know, Lars and I had a, a plan to where we were going to, you know, we had our swim run gear. We were going to put it on and we were going to do kind of like a run through for the course, make sure it flowed well, make sure everything was marked well, and just kind of give us an idea of how long it would take people. Yeah. Um, but is all, you know, often part of setting these courses is we get out there on Thursday and things just aren't quite as they seem. Uh, <laughs> oh, that trail doesn't actually go where we want it to. 
Um, or we find a better trail or a better, you know, maybe the swim exit, you know, this year, you guys remember some of those swim exits were a little bit gnarly swimming over some trees and trying to get out on some of those rocks and Mm -hmm. a little bit mucky, you know, we didn't want someone all of a sudden losing a shoe, you know, a foot and a half down in some mud. (laughs) So it kind of takes some, uh, finagling of where these swim ins and swim outs are going to be to make it make the most sense. Um, I know you guys mentioned it in your, your race report too, about the water level being a little low, which kind of caused us to uh, kind of call an audible on the, on the day before there. And we had to do that with mostly the short course, but a little bit with the long course. And I think the woman at the uh, Girl Scout camp who was helping us out said the water level was like 20 or 25 feet below. Where wow. wow. That's crazy. And, and you could see it on the rocks too, though. You know, yeah. um, so you could really kind of get an idea of where there would be a lot more water on other years. So as a result, some of the swims obviously end up being a little bit shorter because the water just isn't there. Um, you know, in, in, it's just kind of the way it is. And that's just kind of what happens with this. And, and we ran into some little tangles here and there on, on Thursday, getting the course or Friday, getting the course set up. So then we kind of ended up having to get back out there on Saturday um, and set some more. So we never actually got to run through the course, which was kind of a bummer, but you know, we go through this thing on all day, Friday, all day, Saturday. And it's, you know, Saturday gets tricky because it's packet pickup this year. We added a 5k race, um, which actually ended up being a little less than 5k, uh, and a kid's race, which was really, really super cool. And hopefully we can kind of keep adding those things to other races, but you know, it, it, the day before the race gets so busy that you just kind of end up running out of time. And, and, it's one of those, you just kind of got to keep doing things and doing things and doing things. And eventually, you know, it all seems to come together in the end, um, which it did this year. Uh, you know, even actually you guys remember kind of that long swim or long run that kind of went through like the, the, the middle of the park there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of twisty and turvy, curvy. And, you know, my big concern was that we didn't mark it well enough. So actually race morning, right as the race went off, I actually went back onto that trail and ran through it again to try to put some markings up and, um, make sure that everyone was going to go the right way. And uh, actually that said, we did have a group of people that did go the wrong way on race day, which was kind of the only hiccup that I think that we ran into. Um, there was one turn and it was, you know, it's, as we say, it's got to be heads up racing and we, we flagged the shit out of this turn as best we could. So people wouldn't miss it, but you get running down one of those trails and it's pretty easy just to kind of keep yeah. going. And, and what happened in this case, I think is we had one person or one team uh, that took the wrong turn and a group of yeah. know, maybe eight or 10 people kind of went right after him and followed. And, and, Whoops. you know, that's the hard thing with swim run, right. Is, is you're trying to follow these markings, but if you see someone go the wrong way, I, what's the right way, you know, it's, you got to kind of have to make these split second decisions. Um, For sure. and we actually, we found this group of people just running down the road in the middle of the park because we just oh, no. happened by them, uh, which was really funny. Um, and, and, and you know, at, at the time, uh, they were a little bit upset, which, which I get, you know, we've all been in those situations where, you know, you've gone the wrong way, you're racing and you're just, you're frustrated and you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're frustrated at yourself, but you're also frustrated that maybe the marking wasn't good. So they were, they were rightfully a little bit frustrated. Um, thankfully, you know, they came up after the race and apologized profusely and said, no, it's our fault. Like we really should have seen the turn. And, you know, I apologize too. You know, I probably should have put a, a turn sign there, but it didn't happen. But you know, if that's the only hiccup we have in a swim run race, then Pretty good. that's great. And, and we found them, we turned them around and they got back on track and, you know, it, and kudos to them for kind of shifting that mindset from, Oh shit, we're lost. We don't know where we're going. And we're really pissed off about this to be like, okay, no, let's get back into this, this race and have fun with it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, if anything, that's part of like the awesomeness of swim run. It's like, it's, it is an adventure and sometimes it turns into like a choose your own adventure there for a little bit. But, um, I wanted to ask you, so typically you, you know, Lars sort of unleashes you on the course so you can win it with, uh, (laughs) with, with Matt or whoever. Um, did you have some, some major FOMO for not being able to race it with everyone? You know, it, it always comes down to race day. And when the gun goes off, I'm always like, ah, shit, I wish I was out there doing it. You know, but I kind of, and I talked to Lars about this last winter and as we were prepping for Catalina and said, you know, I, I think this Catalina is going to be my only race this year. And I, I, I kind of wanted to take on more of a race director behind the scenes role and, and mm-hmm. kind of get immersed a little bit more in that and help out on that side of things. You know, I, I love racing and going out there and going hard and, and you know, Matt Hurley was kind of my, my partner, you know, for all the Odyssey races, uh, over the years, you know, he was kind of in the same boat, you know, we're both kind of getting a little older and we've both been racing for a long time. He's just starting a family and, and is in Colorado. 
uh, with his wife, Lauren, and, and their, their new son. And so, you know, both of us kind of had this like, eh, we're not really into it this summer type of vibe, you know, and it was more like, I'm at a point in my life where I'm more into the adventure type stuff um, and, and kind of getting out there and, and doing these kind of great big epic things because they're fun and they're cool to do, as opposed to like the stress and the anxiety that goes along with racing and getting ready for that. Um, you know, and Lars does like, I mean, to his credit, he's always pushing me to race, you know, with, even with this race, I think in the three days leading up to the race, he asked me three times a day, if I still wanted to race morning of, he was like, Hey, you sure, you sure you don't want to do it? I, like, nope, <laughs> I nope. saw your wetsuit in your trunk. <laughs> I, I did. Yeah. I mean, I had my wetsuit, I had my pull, but we were, I was, I was ready to go if, but no, I, I kind of, you know, it, my take on it is like, I would rather help put on a great event so that you know, you guys and everyone else can get out there and really enjoy themselves. I think that to me is more important than me getting out there and racing at this point. I've done the racing. I've done it. And I I will probably continue to do it. I'll still do races here and there, but I'm not going to make it like my, my kind of focal point uh, right now, at least at this point in my life. Well, you know, that certainly is appreciated. And, you know, everyone that we spoke with, including ourselves, like we were just so super stoked to be out there and, um, you know, we mentioned this in last week's show where, you know, there was a moment there where wasn't thinking about COVID, wasn't thinking about Trump or Biden or anything, you know, it was just out there and you're kind of like in the moment. And it took me actually figured out kind of like what that emotion was that I was having. And it was just, I was just happy. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was just like, it wasn't commingled with anything else. It's just, you know, while Chipper and I are out there, I was just happy for you know, once I got into race mode, it was it was really cool. And, you know, I'm sure I wasn't the only one who was feeling that, whether it was just sort of the nostalgia of being able to race like the old days or whatever it was. So I think in that respect, the race was an absolute win. Um, given that, is there anything that, that you guys are thinking of iterating for next year, like adding a longer course or kind of changing, changing anything or is it still too soon to kind of go down that you know- road? We talked about it a little bit and I will say, you know, and just to touch back on what you're saying about the happiness thing. And like, it's so true. It's almost like we were kind of removing ourselves from the world for a little Absolutely. bit, um, you know, and, and for me, it's like, you know, we're out there spending two to three days getting this thing set up. Like I don't have time to just be sitting there, you know, dread scrolling on my phone and <laughs> what's going on in the world. You know, I don't even think I saw my phone for like three days. You're just kind of out there uh, getting things set up and then everyone shows up and it's like politics are out the window because we're all there for swim run. We're not there to argue about other things, you know, and, and like COVID is like, it's on our minds, but everyone's like, we're outside and we're, you know, we're not quote unquote living in fear. We're, we're doing the smart, we're being smart about it and having fun with it. And I think it just like, yeah, like you said, everyone's just able to be there uh, and have fun and 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 kind of go through it in, in that realm. And I do have to say real quick, I know you speaking of having fun and having a blast, you guys mentioned it on your uh, your kind of recap of the weekend, but, you know, running across the, the finish line there with uh, with Bob and you let Bob go ahead and, and he yeah. was super pumped. And Bob is actually one of my one-to-one athletes who I coach. Oh, uh, nice. Oh, that's great. Fun yeah. small world. <laughs> so he small told world. me that story right, where you guys were running across the line. He said, hey, you guys, you guys, the lost boys. And he said yeah. he felt so silly. Calling. He's like, no, wait, no, wait, no, dead boys. Uh, hey, well, the thing is, is that because we, we keep it so loose, it's like you could have been joking and we didn't really know because that would be funny because we do get lost or we have had that. Oh, happen yeah. I mean, to we, that's, that that's totally something. I think my answer was like sometimes, sometimes. you know, so yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. Bob was um, cool and he was all tricked out with uh, the good wetsuit well, and everything. So good job there. Yeah, yeah, no, we had uh, we had quite a few phone calls ahead of that, uh, you know, zooming on how to set up pull buoys and what wetsuits and shoes, and and, love and I love that side of it too. For me, it's like I want to help people get into it the same way you guys do it too. It's like you know, if someone wants, you know, we went to Barton Springs, Lars and I, the day before we went out to Austin, we swam there that morning, and we just so happened to run into uh, a couple of swim runners, including uh, Garrett Weber Gale. Um, so he was there swimming, and I and I hate to uh, to do this to Garrett, but I'm going to tell the story anyway where we went to the to Barton Springs and Lars and I are kind of getting ready to get in the pool. And we see this guy walking and Lars says, is that guy wearing a Roka triathlon wetsuit, but without legs? I said, oh, no. I mean, it looks like it. The zipper's in the back. It's super weird. And then Lars looks a little closer and he goes, and I think that guy's wearing his swim run wetsuit backwards. Um, and we're like, oh, shoot. So, you know, Lars being <laughs> the super nice guy he is, swims right up to him and says, hey, uh, is that a swim run wetsuit? He says, yeah, yeah, it is. It's, and he goes, is it, is it fit okay? He goes, no, it's super uncomfortable. It's <laughs> my neck. <laughs> and Lars like, yeah, you've actually, you've got it on backwards. Um, and, you know, <laughs> like, oh, you know, shit. Okay. And I, I, 
honestly, I think that's probably a common thing for swimmers and triathletes getting into it. But, uh, you know, he's, he flipped it to his credit. He was like, you know, I didn't know. And we're like, yeah, why would you? So he flipped it around and put it back on, but it's like this idea to help them. And and next I ran into another purple patch athlete who just happened to be at Barton Springs that morning. And he was having problems with this pull buoy. So, you know, I'm, I love Jesse Thomas. (laughs) What's that? Jesse Thomas was down there for some reason. (laughs) Right. One day, one day we'll get there. Um, but anyway, I, I got a little off track there with that story, but back to your original question on, on the course for next year and what kind of what we have in mind with, with Austin, you know, with, with any race, as soon as we finish up, you know, we want to take a look at what worked, what didn't, what could we do better and what could we do differently? And if, if different, isn't going to be better then we don't need to do different. But, you know, if, if anyone's ever done the Casco Bay race, that race has been different every single year. Yeah. And I think that is a really cool aspect of that is that you can go back and do Casco Bay and never do the same course twice. So you're doing a different race every year. So it's instead of kind of going like, well, I've done that race. I've done that course. It's like, Ooh, what's it going to be this year? What islands are we going to go across? Are there any docks we're going to jump off of? You know, what's it going to be? Um, and Austin lends itself really well to that. Uh, as you guys saw running out there, there's just an endless number of trails uh, that you could take and wow. the water levels could be a little different. So there's, if the water level's high, we could kind of really mix things up. And I think that's the, the idea is like, we'll take a look at it and see what makes sense. Uh, maybe we add a little bit of distance to it. Maybe we do the course in reverse. Maybe we add some different trails, some different swims. There's kind of just endless possibilities, which is what helps make uh, that Austin swim run and pace Bend park uh, a really cool option for a race. Yeah. I mean, just alone, if the river was, more full, it would be a totally different race because it would have added probably a K total of swim distance to maybe everything. Maybe more currents. Maybe more currents, navigate. maybe something else. And just the water level alone can totally, totally change it. Yeah, 100%. And, and it's it's funny because we have that same thing with some of the other races, right? Like Casco Bay, you know, high tide, low tide. <laughs> you could be, you could yeah, be running yeah. a sandbar. You could be swimming across a sandbar. You just don't know. Uh, and that's kind of the, the cool thing about it is it's going to be different every time. And uh, you know, some of those swims in Austin, you know, we had ideas of where we were going to swim in uh, and we'd go there and it would just be completely bone dry and the water would be like a couple hundred feet, you know, further away. And there was just yeah. no way to get to the water. So it's like, Ooh, well, let's backtrack and, and try to find another way to get to the water. I did appreciate the, the aspirational flags just kind of up on the side of the hill, like eventually make your way up here and however you <laughs> want to get out is kind of your own <laughs> is your own choice. And yeah, we did have so a couple of, yeah. That's so yeah. swim run. Yeah. 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 It's just yeah, get out where you can, uh, if you can, good luck. And, uh, <laughs> if, when you do, it's, a, it's over this way. Well, you know, and I think, I think what you just mentioned really can't be overstated on how swim run is just different from triathlon where for the most part, you know, you can set your PR or whatever distance, except for a race, you know, there's races like wildflower, which is like, Oh, whatever your long course wildflower PR, like you can't really compare that with any other race. Um, Rest in peace, yeah. wildflower triathlons. Um, but swim run is kind of the same thing. So, so going back to the same race, it isn't like, oh yeah, well I've already done this and I know what it is. It's like it's just you know depending on the temperature. I mean, you saw that with some of the Atala races where last year Cairns was like crazy storm, and this year it was like perfect and sunny and nice. Right. Um, and I and I think I think that's one of the. I mean, for me, it makes it really attractive because it's not like you're when we go back next year, it's not like we can just rest on our laurels and be like, Oh yeah, we did that course. We know everything about it. It's going to be a completely new experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the cool thing is you can go back and you, or you can't go back and be like, uh, I know where the turn is like, no, you don't. We probably changed it this year. So you, yeah. you know, you might want to have a, a heads up and we've had to make that point pretty clear, especially at Casco Bay, be like, you know, Hey guys, listen, in past years, we may have gone this way, but we're not this year. So just keep that in mind. And, you know, and it's funny to see people kind of go out like, oh, no, we're training the course. And be like, eh, you might be training <laughs> you? on the course, but it's not the course. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Well, we appreciate that, that you know, race director sort of retrospective that, that you provided for us. That, that, was, that was great. And it's, it's, it's great to hear on both sides, on the racer perspective and on, on the behind the scenes race director perspective. There was so much continuity and parallels in terms of success and everyone having fun and it quote unquote kind of just you had you know somewhere between if you're Marcus or Bronwyn or the wet so- the Boston Wet Sox somewhere between like two hours and 50 minutes and you know four or five hours to just check out of everything that was happening and and enjoy being outside and in nature and putting your your effort out there and and doing the best that you can 
and mission yeah, accomplished and, on that. And we're so happy to do that. And I'm so glad we could, you know, and I think at this point, one of my favorite things about swim run is being there at the finish line and watching people come across because everybody is finishing with a huge smile on their face and is yeah, so happy. Yeah. No one cares about time. Pretty much no one cares about place and just everyone's like, you know, holy shit, what did I just do? That was awesome. And so yep. just to see yeah. that on people's faces again was really, really cool. Yeah, totally. So let's rewind, turn back the hands of time. And where does John Stevens get this magical swimming ability? Your father, <laughs> Aquaman, potentially mom, Little Mermaid. Where does this come from? They uh, they did throw me in very early. I will say that. No, I, I grew up swimming. It was just kind of, that was the sport that, uh, you know, I chose. It was kind of the path I took, you know, I like every little kid was soccer, baseball, all the other things. And swimming is the one that kind of uh, just kind of stuck. And I think maybe it was because I really sucked at those other sports and I was kind of okay-ish at swimming. Uh Um, Maybe it was the the reason for it. But, you know, I I swam through high school and uh, then went on and swam at college at the University of Miami in Florida, um, which, speaking of rest in peace, no longer has their uh, men's swim team anymore. I actually got cut while I was there. Um, Oh, ouch. That was kind of my background. That was my my thing was, was swimming. And I was... I was okay. Um, you know, I was not at NC2A championships. I was close, but never quite got there. And it just, it, I enjoyed it. And I've made some of my best friends through swimming. Uh, you know, all my college roommates who I'm still really great friends with today. So it was, it was kind of a special thing for me. You know, that said, I got through swimming in college and was just totally burnt out. You know, we're only allowed to train 20 hours a week, but we were swimming, for, training for swimming, you know, 28 hours a week going to college on top of that in Miami. Uh, <laughs> nonetheless. I'm sure you could really focus uh, on. Yeah, on exactly. Yeah. <laughs> focus. Right. Um, I, I, yeah. So <laughs> got pretty burnt out by the end of, uh, of college with swimming. And, you know, it, it was such a huge part of my identity going through that point to where, you know, it, it was kind of like, okay, let's step aside away from swimming for a little bit and just kind of see what else is out there. And I, I did that as an athlete. I didn't so much step all the way away. I, after a couple of years, I kind of got the bug a little bit and started coaching swimming, um, but still just did not want to get in the pool myself and actually started running and became uh, more of a runner. And, you know, with that, though, I, I trained for running the way I trained for swimming, which was all in all the time. And as you guys and anyone listening knows, you, you kind of can't do that. And I ended up getting hurt you know, consistent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Who saw that coming? Yeah. Um, so turns out you cannot just take up running and instantly start running six days a week. Um, and so I was just kept getting injured with the running and looking for a way to stay in shape. I kind of got back into the pool and all of a sudden I was like, Oh wait, yeah, I, I miss this. This is kind of neat to get back in here and do it. Um, and, and so there I was running and swimming together and, you know, growing up in, in Maine, you know, that was, it was always a part of me. Um, you know, I actually, I don't know if you guys knew this, I live on one of the islands actually, uh, on the Casco Bay course in the summer. And I grew up out there. So, you know, it, for me, it was always running around these islands and swimming on these islands and swimming between these islands. So I was kind of doing this Casco Bay swim run stuff as a kid, um, with all my friends and we'd sail to one Island and meet up with other kids there and and go hang out and kind of come back. So it was just kind of always, uh, you know, always there and always something I was doing. That's awesome. And so your, your kind of journey, I know you, you, you coach with, with purple patch, uh, coaching, and then you're also doing assistant kind of race director for, for Odyssey swim run. Where did, where did swim run kind of first pop up on your radar in in an official kind of capacity? Well, you know, for me, it was, I had read about, uh, you know, Otilla world championships in outside magazine, which I think a lot of people did. And it was one of those things where I read about it. I thought, holy shit, this looks awesome. To the point where I found the article online, I emailed it to my brother and said, funny enough, we need to put on a race like this here in Casco Bay. This would be really, really cool to do. And we kind of emailed about it back and forth and then, you know, forgot about it as, as we do with a lot of things. And this was probably, I forget what year that article came out, but it was at least a couple of years before um, Lars and Jeff put on the first swim run in Casco Bay. Um, and, you know, and, and like everyone else, actually, I remember I was sitting kind of at home scrolling through my phone and I think Lars put it out through slow twitch announced this swim run race in Casco Bay. 
And I looked at it and saw what it was. And I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I need to do. I've been doing triathlons for a couple of years, but I suck on the bike. I still do. And I don't care <laughs> for riding the bike as much. So I was like, oh, no bike. This is perfect. Um, and I had met this guy kind of randomly at the Y and he had told me he was a really good runner and I had seen him swim and he was pretty good. Um, and we had exchanged numbers, but never actually talked or trained together. So out of the blue, I just sent him a message and was like, Hey, uh, you know, and it was Matt Hurley and said, Matt, you you want to team up and do this race with me? Um, and he was like, yeah, sure. And he posted on Facebook, something like, Hey, I'm doing a race with Joe. And I was like, dude, my name's John. Um, yeah. And, and we, we actually, that first year, I, the first year for swim run, Jeff and Lars took a, uh, basically you could get in on merit. So you could get in, you had to submit a resume and it would selected a certain number of teams that got like that automatically got in based on their resume. And then it was kind of an open lottery. Um, and you know, Matt and I really hadn't, we didn't have much to add to our resumes at that point in our lives. Uh, so we did not get selected actually to race that first year. Um, and I think I, e I emailed Jeff Cole when we put in the, uh, like for the lottery and I said, Hey, you know, something along the lines of like, Hey, Jeff, if, you know, if you pick us to do this race, we're going to win it just so you know, like you really should let us in cause wow. we're going to win. Um, and it was, you know, again, I was what early to mid thirties, still a little cocky. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we kind of just went into it from that point on, you know, at that point and it was like, let's go. And then Matt and I just kind of kept going with it every year and we got to know, you know, Jeff and Lars a lot better and just kind of kept showing up and kept doing it. And then, and then at some point, Lars just goes, Hey, you want to help me do this? <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, that, and that's the the sad side of the story too, right. Um, is, is Jeff Cole did pass away unexpectedly, uh, yeah. right before, uh, a, a few months before the third running of the race. Um, and, you know, Lars is in Texas, Jeff was here in Maine and, and Lars kind of, I think found himself with this idea of like, I've got to put this race on in Maine and I live in Texas. Um, so he called me up and said, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm probably going to need a little bit of help in the days before. Do you want to kind of help me set up the the race and, and just kind of, you know, make sure it goes off smoothly. He knew I had a boat, he knew I was on the Island. So it was, it was helpful. So, you know, I, I got together with him and we, we set up, helped set up the course and just helped him out a little bit. Um, and then raced it again that year with Matt. And then that was the first year of Orcas. Uh, and it was also the year I was going to uh, Otillo world champs. And I think I got back from world champs and, just, I was spent. I mean, I wasn't in shape for that race. I had sprained my ankle. I wasn't ready for it. And I got back and was just like, no, nah, I'm done for the year. And, and Lars called me up and said, Hey, why don't you come out to Orcas and help me set up that race too? You know, Brent's out there and we could really use some help. Um, and I think that was kind of like my quote unquote interview was to kind of go out there and help him <laughs> set that up. Um, and I went out and then, you know, Matt ended up coming and we ended up racing that as well. But that was kind of like the first time I had like the, that year was the first time I'd really kind of helped uh, with the behind the scenes stuff. And, and I loved it. It was a lot of fun, like just to go out and run on this course for two days straight before and then kind of gear up and go race. It was a was a lot of fun. So let's let's talk about, um, you know, Atala World Championship a little bit. Obviously, that's that's like the pinnacle of the sport in many ways. The race that probably garners the most amount of imagination, I think. Um, most people, most people's entree into the sport is seeing some video about that. Um, what was that like? I mean, what was that whole experience like? Well, it was awesome. It was unbelievable. Um, but also so humbling. I mean, it, it's one of those things where, you know, I get asked a lot to describe it and you, you kind of can't, um, you know, and people were going to race and they're just like, it, it I don't know how to describe it. It's a, it's a long, long day. And I wanted to kind of be there at like the birthplace. And it's like, that was the first time I had met like Michael and Mott's and like those guys like have this aura about them when they are, you know, giving these talks and stuff. And then you're at this race and it's like, you know, all the world champions are there and all these guys, you know, who you've kind of seen results of are, are there. And it's so fast, not to mention, you know, whoever else shows up and it, it, it's kind of like a surreal experience. And it was really neat. And it was one of those where, you know, you don't know what to expect till you get out there. And it, it's, it's a long day. You know, we talk about trail running here in the U S and we're running on groomed trails, like actual trails. I mean, some of those, like you get on this Island and it's like, you're just following flags through the weeds and it's a lot of stepping up and stepping down and over rocks. And it's one of those races where you're just like, Holy shit. I am so sick of these trails. Like I cannot stand running on these trails anymore. 
And then all of a sudden you get like a third of the way through the race and you've got like this 13 mile run and you're on this running on this road and you're like, holy shit, I cannot run on this road anymore. Like, get me <laughs> road. And then you get back on the trails and the weeds. You're like, okay, I give up. I don't want to race on any of this anymore. Like just get me done. Um, and it's, it's a long day, you know, 40 miles of running and six and a half miles of swimming. It, it adds up. And you know, yeah. it's one of those, it, it's such a huge uh, mental thing to get through that day. Yeah. Did you race that one with Matt? No. So that was the plan is Lars kind of had arranged for the winners of Casco Bay to um, kind of get director's choice entry. So that the first year I did it was 28, the year I did it actually, I've only done it once was 2018. Um, and that was the first time Greg and Bronwyn had gone over as well. And I didn't really know them before that. So we got to know them pretty well on that trip, which was, which was really cool. Um, but I actually was going to run, I signed up to do it with Matt. And then all of a sudden he called me one day and said, Hey, my best friend's getting married that same weekend. I can't go. Um, and it was kind of like a choice. Like, do I just wait till Matt can go? And who knows when that's going to be? Yeah. I had sprained my ankle. I had not been running at all really before it. So I was like, ah, I'm not in shape for it anyway, but you know, the, the tickets were bought, we got in and he's, you know, he gave me his blessing to go ahead and do it. And I went with a, um, the brother of a friend of mine here in, in Portland who also races swim run and is a coach, uh, Todd Larley. I went with his brother, Nate Larley. Uh, and he and I went over and did it and we had, kind of met before, but we had never, never run together. We had never swum together. It was wow. like, Hey, let's go do world champs having never trained or done anything together before. Um, but an unbelievably nice guy, really cool. And, you know, we had a great day out there just being out there and getting it done and, and experiencing it. I'm, you know, our, our goal at some point is, is to do that, that race. And we want to, you know, qualify for it, I guess. But, uh, I I don't know what to even think about it. Like, it's just it's such a, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, we'll actually have to get coaches and stuff, I think. <laughs> oh, f- certainly. There's some, yeah, the enormity of it. Like, how do you train for some of this stuff? And it's like, you know, how do you train to do a 13-mile run when you're already 25 miles into a race? And it's, you know, the, the swims, some of them are super short. Some of them are a little bit longer. You've got the pig swim. And, and as we've said with that course, you never know what the weather's going to be the year before we did it was the year it was like that crazy storm and they had like four yeah. foot seas and just winds and rain and people are like falling and breaking legs. Like it was gnarly. Um, and then the year we did it, it was beautiful, like perfectly flat. I think to the point where we got done and Michael said to everyone who raced, he said, don't ever come back and do this race again because it was <laughs> good. It's good. You're never going to get conditions like this. Um, so you just, you know, that's the cool thing with that race is you just don't know what you're going to get and you kind of have to go experience it to really understand it. And it's one of those things. And I think this is what we, we keep saying with magic, a swim run too. It's like when the conditions are gnarlier and more gritty, that's just kind of where swim runners thrive. Right. Yeah. Actually, I was pretty bummed that I got the nice year. I was like, I want the shitty year. That would have been really fun. That would have been cool. You know, and I think that's what we're looking for. We're not looking to go fast or, or anything like that. We're looking for the challenge. We want it to be hard and we want to go out there and and really experience uh, what's out there. And I think, you know, you throw in some of that crazy weather and it's awesome. You know, I've had training days where we've ended up kind of in, in Casco Bay in the middle of Hussey Sound and there's like 10 foot swells and a tide ripping out and like, I'll have the biggest smile on my face because I love it. Like you're just out there in nature, just getting beat up and tossed around and and making your way through it. Yeah. I don't know what swim particularly that is, but Chris and I, we did it 2018 as well. Um, And there was, I think it was a longer swim. It was, I don't think it was supposed to be over 2k, but for us, it ended up being with all the ping pong, you know, all the, uh, what's that called? You know, pinball machine, pinballing back and forth, swimming all around. But at one point, Chris stopped me and during the swim. We're in the water, and he goes, are you sure we're going the right way? I'm like, I'm pretty sure I see a flag up there. And he goes, well, there's people running over there, and they were up on the shore like 100 feet away just, up running. Yeah, just like traversing. Just <laughs> running on the, the shoreline. And I'm like, I, dude, I think this is supposed to be a swim, and I think we're supposed to finish there, so let's just keep going. <laughs> yeah, so a footnote to that. So I, I can't uh, touch my eyeballs, so I can't wear contacts or anything. So... I was basically relying on Chipper for for all for twenty twenty vision for all swim exits essentially, and and yeah, we're in the swim. I was like, this swim seems super long. It was, and, <laughs> and yeah, and I'm just you know in the back and just kind of looking around, and I see these people, and I was just like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stop them real quick. <laughs> we're like in the middle of this bay, 
But, uh, uh, yeah. I think I know Turns the out- thing you're talking about, and that is the Hussey Sound. So it goes from Peaks Island over to Long Island, um, depending on the that year. Probably, which yeah. And um, I, and I do remember that one. That's where the short course and long course kind of met up to, and there were just a ton of people swimming across, and the the tide was ripping in, so pushing you from right to left. Yeah. Uh, and what happened was, once you get across towards Long Island, there there's a tiny little island off the beach called uh, College Island, um, and people ended up getting pushed by the tide around the backside of that island, and there was so they just got out <laughs> and started yeah. running uh, because there was no way to get to. Uh, to the shore at that point. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's, uh, yeah, it can get kind of gnarly in there. And, you know, that's the fun part with the swim runs in the ocean is now you've got to play with tides and currents. Yeah. And, all that. and honestly, that's, that's what I regret the most. So going into Casco, I'd been doing a lot of open water swimming in the Bay area. I was pretty familiar with tides and stuff, but for some reason I didn't even bother checking what the currents and tides were. And I, I think like that's after that race, I was like, oh yeah, that was a huge mistake. Not just at least having a general understanding of what's happening in the water, especially for a race that's so swim heavy. Um, so that was definitely a lesson learned. And I would say a pro tip out there is like, I don't care if you're a super strong open water swimmer, like you should <laughs> try to understand what's happening. Oh, absolutely. And it, it's one of those, It's and we I, I try to say it in race, race briefings sometimes, especially for Casco Bay, like heads up running, but heads up swimming, like take a look at those lobster buoys out there. What direction is the water going around them? And are they moving in any which way? You know, we did the, the swim run in Boston Harbor, um, in 2019. And the first swim was like, it was a mile swim right off the bat, which is not, not crazy. Um, and we figured, okay, it's going to take like the faster people, you know, maybe like 20 minutes to get across that swim. It was maybe a little less than a mile. So I was at the exit of that and I was waiting for maybe like Greg and Bronwyn or my brother and his, uh, teammate were college swimmers. So figured they might be up towards the front too. Yeah. And you know, 30, 20 minutes comes and goes and I can't see anyone. 30 minutes comes and goes and I can't see oh, anyone. No. You're like, like freaking out. <laughs> I mean, it was, there was a massive, massive current ripping through there. And if, you know, you look at some of the Garmin stuff from, or, you know, G- GPS tracks of people swimming that swim and it's like way out and then they come back in. So you just never know with like those currents, like how it's going to affect the day. You know, what, what happened with that race? I, I have a dream of doing like a, like a documentary episode where we're like, Hey, the race that only happened once, but why don't you tell us a little bit of like, I mean, it seemed like a cool idea, Boston Harbor, the whole thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, it looks like it just like, I don't think it's happening again, right? (laughs) Never say never, but you know, Boston was tricky because it was supposed to happen in 2018. And then with, with Jeff passing away and some other things, like it just, it didn't make sense to do it that year. So it got bumped to 2019. Um, And then, you know, Boston's a big city. It's not like we're out working in a small community with people who are really excited and wanting to, you know, like, Hey, come run across my front yard. This is great. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it, it's a big city and it, it's hard, you know, there's a, so many different entities involved in that area between like state police and state parks and city police and coast guard and Harbor masters from like three different places. Um, and, and also, you know, it's, we, if you guys can't tell, we put on our races, we tend to do that where one of us lives. So we, we kind of have an idea of it. And I'm close to Boston being up here in, in Maine, but like I, I had actually never even been on the Boston Harbor islands. So that was one of those typical, like we showed up two days before we rented this dinky little boat and head up to the islands and we started setting the course. And we were just like, you know, from what we had seen on GPS maps and it's like, this isn't going to work. And we basically spent that first day just kind of going island to island, making a course um, because we just, we'd, we hadn't been out there. We didn't know what to expect. And, and that's the problem with trying to make courses is someone can look at it and be like, well, look at my GPS map. It shows that you could probably do this, this, and this. And you just don't know until you get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we ended up having to lay that course the day before you know, plan the course two days before, and then actually lay it out the day before. And then the race kind of went off on race day. And, and, and aside from that first swim with the currents, um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an awful day. It was good. People had fun. You know, we had people out there, the coast guard was on board. Um, it's just one of those, like, for whatever reason, people weren't super excited about it. And it was just logistically a hard thing to pull off. So I'd like to see it come back because it was a cool area. It was a cool thing. Um, but for whatever reason, and, and like the appeal of it, you know, we thought the appeal would be come to Boston. Here's a big city, super easy to fly into and you can get there. But I think people want more of like to get away. They want to go to the Casco Bay Islands. They want to go to Orcas Island. 
Upper Peninsula in Michigan or even like Pace Bend. It's like, you know, we were in Austin, but we're not in Austin. You know, yeah. it's it's 40 minutes away and you don't feel like you're in a city. So that tends, it, it kind of tends to lend itself more to the swim run vibe of we're kind of just out there in nature uh, type of thing. I think you totally nailed it. And that's, I think, what Otelo does does pretty well as well, especially with like Catalina. And I remember this after after racing Casco Bay was like, next year or the next time we do this we got to bring the families out because we could hang out here for a week and a half two weeks as a kind of a vacation do a race somewhere in between in that vacation and just it's a great kind of cool place to hang with the family it's it's totally different and it's it's just all very contained kind of kind of like you said Um, yeah i think that's all of our locations are like that right and it's like this idea where you can just come chill with the family go camping. If you just want to, you can camp and do it. Like if you're at Orcas Island, set up a tent and hang out for, right. hang out for the weekend and the family gets to chill on the trails and, and check out the area. And so yeah, it lends, the races tend to lend themselves to being very family friendly in that sense. Yeah. And I think they're also kind of like, kind of like adult summer camp type stuff. Like some of the Atala <laughs> races, like Isle of Silly, it's like, you're just going to this random place and it's nothing but swim runners staying in the same hotel and, you know, or dorms or whatever it is. Yeah, so yeah. You definitely get this we, like yeah. vacation. Yeah. We do the dorm style for Orcas and the plan was to kind of do it for, for pace bend on that girl scout camp till, till COVID took it away. Um, but yeah, silly was like that. And Lars and I did that one a few years ago. And, and that was that sense that like, you're just on this boat going out to sea off the <laughs> British Isles. And it's just <laughs> a bunch of swim runners and everyone was joking. Well, if this boat goes down, at least we know everyone can swim, you know, <laughs> <laughs> everyone can make it back. Right. And actually it was, when we did go out to the island uh, or to the aisles, I should say uh, it was a crazy storm, just wind whipping. And, you know, I think they call it, the boat is nicknamed like the sick bucket or something like that. And oh, like, God. You know, you're just standing out on the deck in the pouring rain and the wind, because you don't want to be inside smelling vomit uh, <laughs> type of trip, but wow. it was pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. Um, so why don't we transition a little bit? Cause you know, we understand that you have a life that you want to get to beyond this interview. <laughs> um, so, you know, you're, you're obviously an incredible swimmer in the pool. How how did that translate to open water? Was it sort of just a natural thing? Like you work super hard in the pool, your stroke is immaculate, and Dialed. that just translates right away into open water? Or or was that like a different type of learning curve for you? I mean, there is that learning curve. I think for me, fortunately, I embraced open water swimming pretty early on. We have a, a race here in, in, in Portland called the Peaks to Portland Swim. And it's a, uh, a swim from Peaks Island into the East End Beach in Portland. And it, it's 2.4 miles and nothing to do with Ironman, just so happens to be 2.4 <laughs> miles. Um, and growing up on Little Diamond Island, I would this race was always going by and I was, would always see it. So at, at 13 years old, I actually might convince my parents to let me sign up for this race. Um, and swam it at thir- and started swimming it at 13 and I swam it at 13 and I swam it at 14. And then I think I, I won it for the first time at 15 and I did it for, and then I, I won, I think five years in a row as a teenager. Um, and just kind of really, that was kind of like the, the big thing for me in the summer, like, you know, our club swimming championships as well, but I, I always just loved that open water swim. And it was such a cool thing to, uh, to get out and do. And then going to, you know, the university of Miami, we would have, you know, preseason and postseason workouts on the weekends would be at the beach. So we'd be on the beach swimming open water out there. And it's, I do have a stroke. I think that tends to lend itself well to open water in that I don't have a pretty stroke. I have kind of a ugly windmill stroke that can just kind of work through the, the waves and the elements and push through it. And, you know, to me, open water just always seemed more, and I I guess I've always leaned this way towards the adventure, right. And a little bit more adventurous and, and get out there and do that. And, you know, even this past summer, our pools were kind of open here in Maine, but I have the group that I train with uh, every day at noon at the local Y, but with the Y not letting us all swim, we were swimming open water almost every day. And so getting together with this group and the, the camaraderie around it was just super fun. And and so I've always kind of embraced the open water because to me, open water swimming is to pool swimming, like almost like tr- swim run is to triathlon, right? It's, um, it's just kind of got that, that edgier, grittier, more adventure vibe to it. Yeah, it's like someone running that does, you know, the the rock and roll half marathons or something like that compared to somebody that does trail runs. Right, exactly. Exactly. So I always kind of kind of went that way with it and it it, you know, I just enjoyed the swims in open water more than I enjoyed the swims in the pools. Yeah. Fair enough. I feel the same way. I'm just like, you know, a minute per 100 yards slower than you. Um Yeah. So so 
So for my own personal benefit, because you know, this, I was going to go this show, into some. This show's all about us. How can and, we get coached uh, up here? <laughs> uh, so we, we want to get some free coaching from you. So you know, so for most people, we're in the off season. Great time to work on skill building and work on strength in the pool and stuff like that. What would you recommend for you know a couple of dads? Um, hypothetical. <laughs> totally hypothetical. A couple of dads who have access to the pool basically three to four times a week to really kind of like build strength to just essentially just try to get faster. I think endurance is there. All that stuff is there. It's mostly just about um, how do we start shaving, on, saving some seconds off that? Hunt? Yeah. But I think you asked two questions in one there. And one is you said getting stronger and getting faster. And while they do go together, there's two different things that you can focus on. Um, so if we're talking like strength and swimming, particularly if we're talking like swim run strength for swimming, you know, I, I think you, you can't, underestimate how much paddles can help you if you're able to use them. And you guys I think did your paddle talk with, 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 um, with Brooke and Annie too. And, you know, I, I chimed in on that a little bit, but the idea being like, I think in the off season, if someone is only using little paddles to swim, that was a good opportunity to start building that strength to maybe bump up the paddles a little bit. Now there is kind of a, there's a point where you don't want to go too, too big. Um, right. Right. It's like the law of diminishing returns or something. Yeah, exactly. You're going to, you know, if you're going to slow your stroke rate down too much, then, you know, you may be stronger, but you're not going as fast. Um, so I think it's a good opportunity to kind of play around with, with paddle size and things like that. You know, I, I use like three different size paddles, depending on what I'm doing in the pool and what I'm trying to do. Obviously bigger paddles are going to build more strength. You're going to get your turnover faster with smaller paddles. Um, but that's a great opportunity to, to work on that. And if you're talking strength too, I think the, the one tool that lends itself really well to building strength and speed and towards swim run swimming is the ankle band. Um, you know, I see swim runners being like, Oh yeah, well we swam in the pool with our shoes. Like that to me just seems kind of uncomfortable. And now you have wet shoes, you know, throw on the ankle band and you're kind of getting the same sense of drag from that. Um, and, and it, you know, when you're first starting out with the ankle band, you can use a pull buoy with it too, just to kind of help with that body position. Um, but eventually build up to it. Um, and you know, when you're talking speed, I mean, you're training to go fast. So train fast, you know, it's this idea, like you said, the endurance is there, you know, you can swim a mile, but now it's doing shorter, faster stuff to kind of build that other end of it. Right. So you're working on the high end uh, speed type of stuff. So 25s, 50s, you know, it's funny. I do a shit ton of fifties and, and hundreds when I swim and none of the swims we do are 50 or hundred yards. It's just, right. you know, we train that way. Uh, Cause I can train at a higher end by doing the shorter distances. Yeah. And I want to say for any listeners that are just hearing this and are curious, check out the gear talk episode. That's just called swim run paddles. And John has a great about five minute, like just knowledge bomb that he just drops on everybody. <laughs> uh, so definitely you want to listen to that. And we appreciate again that, that you uh, calling in for that cameo uh, there on the paddles episode of gear talk. That was, that was super useful. And I actually changed my paddle choice based on your, your thoughts. I opted nice. for a for a smaller paddle uh, to feel that I could get a higher turnover in open water. Perfect. There you go. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, right? Where everyone, when you when you start looking into how do I swim better, and you Google it, you know, what are you going to find? Is a lot of like the pool swimming stuff, where the idea of like a glide and like a long reach out front. Well, you can do that in the ocean, but you know, if it's a rough day, you're just going backwards. <laughs> like you know, you just kind of you got to get your arm in the water and you got to get it moving. Um, and you know the easiest way. To, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, are you, I'm, I'm just, this might be a little bit kind of more of advanced techniques, but when you approach an open water swim, are you consciously kind of thinking that if the, if it's a rougher chop or, or bigger swells that you're like, okay, I have to have a, a higher turnover on my arms or I can go longer. I could take more big, you know, big power strokes under the water or how, how do you kind of approach based on the, the landscape essentially of the water of the open water. So yeah, like a, a longer, flatter swim, you know, you're kind of able to lengthen the stroke out a little bit and have a little bit more of a power stroke um, and really take advantage of you know, distance per stroke and, and, and take advantage of that entire stroke. If, if it's choppy, if the wind's up and it's in your face, you kind of just got to get your arms moving. The turnover is going to go up. It's going to be a little bit higher and it's just more so that you can kind of keep moving through the water without being affected by the elements too much. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That, that makes a lot. A lot of sense there. And then are you still, you're still a coach at, at Purple Patch Fitness? 
Yeah. So still coaching at Purple Patch um, nice. as, as a one-to-one athlete coach. And then obviously the swim run stuff on the side. And then actually, I think my my most, not well, most enjoyable, the one where I get the most sun, we'll say, is I, I also work as a guide for a company called Swim Vacation. So basically people go down to the Caribbean and get on a 52-foot catamaran and go sailing and swimming for a week. And that's really cool because I just get to tag along and take people swimming for a week in the open water and, and work on those types of skills and those types of things. Sounds so boring. Wow. I'm sorry. Sounds super <laughs> what a boring. horrible job. <laughs> <laughs> Building a deep, deep tan. <laughs> that seems so rough. Yeah. Um, so, so last, last sort of swim training question for you. So, um, what would you recommend? Most of us are going to be in off season. Doesn't look like, looks like the first race coming back might be in April. Um, which knock with wood. knock on wood with swim run Lake James. Um, if if you were going to just give someone like a general, this is what I'd recommend you would do in the off season. Would you say Framework. like, yeah, just like swim three times a week, run two times a week, or how would you, how would you structure someone's sort of off season kind of like, you know, not totally letting it go type stuff, but you know, working on skills or, or, or just sort of staying in the game a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I think, uh, if you're just coming off Austin, I can't emphasize, like, take a break. <laughs> you know, people have been training all year, you know, and that's one thing I find is everyone kind of tends to go from one race to the next into the fall. And all of a sudden, like, oh, should I have a, a race early spring? And it just doesn't stop. Um, you kind of have to throw in a, a little bit of a mental and, and physical break there. But then again, making sure you don't let that go too far. Um, but then coming back into it, you know, you, you, you guys mentioned it, building strength. This is a perfect time to get back in the gym, uh, get strong. And work on those kind of those movements that are going to make you a, just stronger overall. And then that will translate to swimming and translate to running. It's a good time to kind of, you know, a lot of people will call it like the base, you know, bring the floor up a little bit, bring up that that bottom ground. So, you know, a little bit of strength and some endurance stuff mixed in. Um, if you haven't been in the pool a lot, get in there. And, you know, I think some people are going to be challenged with with COVID, right? It's yeah. do you feel comfortable going to the pool or is your pool even open? And, and you know, something that actually I utilized even before pools were closed were the like stretch bands, the swim bands, um, like stretch cords with a paddle on the end um, that you can use. I mean, that's going to make you a stronger swimmer 100%. And actually there would be days where I'd be training in the winter for upcoming swim runs and the pool would be closed. So I would, I have a, I fortunate enough to have a treadmill in my basement. So I would do mini swim runs in my basement with stretch bands in the treadmill um, as a great opportunity to do that. So you're, and I would do it as like a strength workout. So my runs, I would alternate between like just hitting the crap out of that incline button on the treadmill um, to add some up, you know, let's say like last year when getting into Catalina, unfortunately I wasn't able to train the down, which is what did me in. Um, but, you know, going between like hill running and some like short, fast, stretch cord work. And then I would do some short, fast stuff on the treadmill. And then I would do some like longer endurance stuff on the swim bands and kind of alternate between that just to build that. Like and it's very swim run specific type of strength. Yeah. I've, I've been not super diligent with the swim bands, but I do have them. And every once in a while I get, you know, I'll get on them for three or four days a week. They really, I mean, I'm not even spending, I'm spending like three minutes total, like a couple sets of 25s. And the next day, your shoulders are like a little bit smoked. Like, I mean, that really focuses a lot of effort on those thing. And there's tons of YouTube videos out there. I know Tower 26, and I'm sure Purple Patch has has videos as well. Yeah, I was. I ended up kind of being the go-to swim band guy for Purple Patch this year. So I was leading <laughs> some uh, some online Zoom classes uh, with the swim bands. And oh, you know, nice. it's one of those things you find is you're like, all right, well, it's a long swim. I'm going to use the swim bands for five minutes. If oh you've ever God. tried to use the swim bands for five minutes, then you know that that's just not really an option. So right. it's, you know, it's, it tends to be shorter stuff and a little bit more intense, but that's where the strength building kind of comes in with it. So, so, you know, really want to thank you for spending all this time with us, you know, but to close off, I mean, we, we, we know that you just did a, you know, rim to rim to rim in the Grand Canyon, which is just an epic feat. That's it's on my bucket list. I'm trying to make, I'm trying to put it on chippers. I mean, it's on there. So that's on a, like an awesome adventure. Anything else that you have kind of that you're sort of thinking about or think that you're going to go out and try to tackle? You know, not, I mean, right now, rim to rim to rim was kind of one of those things where it, it's all like you guys, it's always been on the bucket list, but it was just, I was 
never ready for it. And then you kind of make that realization where like it's rim to rim to rim. You're never going to be ready for it. So, I mean, (laughs) I didn't really train for it. It was just kind of one of those things that just sort of happened and it just worked out that Brent uh, could make it. Brent Molesbury, who's the Orcus race director. And, and, you know, we had, we had chatted about it and it just made sense for me to be able to fly over there right after Austin. And, and, and that was the time to do it. And we just did it. Um, and you know, that's kind of where I'm at, as I mentioned with like training and events, like that's, that's the type of stuff I want to do those big events. And, you know, even when you guys had um, Pontus and, and George on a few weeks ago uh, with that like epic uh, swim Rocket. run they did through yeah. the archipelago in Sweden, like something like that piques my interest. And I've, I've actually always had in the back of my mind, kind of this like two day loop that kind of goes all the way through Casco Bay with some camping in between and, and maybe something like that. Like the, these ideas of like some sort of big epic adventure, you know, that's, you know, I don't have it picked out yet, but I'm sure something will come up. Okay, well, we'll we'll take that offline. Actually, what you you want part of that? You want I some think, of that? I think we can do. I think I got some. I got some wheels going right now. <laughs> got All some right, wheels going. Go. I love it. I love it. Well, well, John, we really appreciate appreciate your time. The the mini po- race director race report retrospective. You you know some coaching tips. How you became a swimmer. All this crazy teenage victories in open water swimming. Um, also those potato donuts are very good in, in Maine. What was it oh, called yeah. again, Chris? Donut. Oh, I don't remember the name of the place, but yeah. We went there a couple times. Yeah. Holy donut. It's the Holy place to donut. be. Oh yeah. yeah. That's it. That's right. Well, yeah, I fortunately, unfortunately live like right around the corner from there. Oh <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we, you know, we filled out a frequent fire punch card in, in, in less than a week. We'll just, we'll just put it that way. Well, John, it's been a, it's been great having you on. Probably won't be the last time. We might hit you up for some more swim swim knowledge bombs later, but absolutely, yeah. And, and thank you guys. And I also wanted to say, you know, thank you guys for what you're doing. And you, you know, you guys are out here just screaming swim run from the rooftops, which I think is is awesome. And getting it out there. And you know, we saw an increase in people at at Odyssey because you guys are out there pushing swim run. And you know, and I think we're all on the same team. I think anyone doing swim run in the U.S. is on the same team. Is we just want more people to do it. I don't care where you're doing it. I don't care how you're doing yep, it. Exactly. Just we get more people out there doing it. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, and I'll just, I'll just totally, you know, from our side, it's, it's really been great. I mean, at some point at the end of the year, we're going to do a fireside chat where we're going to sort of make know, a fire, ge- geek out about all this stuff. But yeah, it's like, you know, we, we are, go- we are all aiming towards the same purpose. We all want to grow the sport in the U.S. and we all want to grow in an inclusive way that's welcoming, where the races are hard, but you know, everyone's finishing with a smile on their face. So, so it's great for us to work with you guys and. I mean, we love that we that so many people showed up at the race and that so many people on the course were like, hey, you know, we listened to all your episodes and we were like, we're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we're sorry you, you had to go through that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's super cool and we're really looking forward to next year and racing more Odyssey events and yeah, and doing more adventures. So so thank you for everything that you do for the sport. And um, yeah, we'll see you out there. All right, thanks. Thanks, guys. Sounds good. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Low Tide Boys, a swim run podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review on iTunes if you're so inclined. You can also sign up for our newsletter at lowtideboys.com. That's boys with a Z. And check out our meme page at the Low Tide Boys on Instagram. If you have any questions or suggestions for the show, drop us an email at lowtideboys at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Writing Easy Records for our show music. And, of course, our wives for their support and tolerance of our swim run activities, hobbies, and other bullshit we do. (laughs) Finally, you can support our efforts on Patreon. Until next time, get out there and go for a swim. And then a run. And then another swim. Then another run. And then another swim. And then run to the finish line. And just keep going until you're done. Yes. Or run to the finish line. Or run to the car. Or run to your car. Somewhere. Just keep running. Only happiness